Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're, po- we're podcasting a Bible class uh, on, for Sunday mornings for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha. Now that would include people who are living in other parts of the country and literally around the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to study God's Word, but obviously they cannot be with us in person way over here in Omaha. We know there are also people here in the Omaha area who, for one reason or another, cannot be with us in person at the church building when we come together for our Bible classes and worship services. Well, we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts so that people literally all through this this area, but all across the country and around the world can be in God's Word, can study God's Word with us. So we're thankful that you're there, and we're thankful that we can be here with you to open up God's Word and study a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, and grow spiritually, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Share with your family members, your friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Help people get into God's Word by sharing these studies with them. And if you're in the Omaha area, come and see us in person. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street right here in Omaha. Hope to see you soon. Well, we're going to get back into our study. We actually finished the book of Joshua last time. And so I want us to go right into Judges. But I want us to spend some time by way of introduction to the book of Judges. Now, when we looked at Joshua, we saw a, basically speaking, a, 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 a nation of people, the Israelites, who were at least largely faithful to God. Now, at the same time, as we closed the book of Joshua, we saw that Joshua called them to put away the gods, the foreign gods that were among them. So there were still people And I think probably we can get a feeling that there were a lot of people among the Israelites who still were worshiping idols, probably going all the way back to their time in Egypt, and Egypt, of course, being an idol-worshiping people. Well, so he tells them, he tells them, you put away the, the foreign gods from among you, put away the idols. And we emphasized how God had repeatedly warned the people of Israel, the people who are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons, the people that God had prepared to be the bloodline through which he would send the Savior, Jesus, the Christ, into the world. He repeatedly warned them while they were in Egypt, well, maybe a maybe not quite in Egypt, but as they were going through the wilderness, he kept warning them. He kept instructing them. In fact, basic, well, basic to the original Ten Commandments that he gave them at Mount Sinai, he said, you don't, you, you, you are to not have any other gods among you. And gods there in lowercase g, because there is only one true God, and that's our Lord God in heaven the creator of all the universe and everything that we see therein. 
So he says, you don't worship idols. Don't get pulled in through relationships with idol worshipers, other peoples, into worshiping their idols, because those are not gods. They are nothing. They're just literally inanimate objects, carvings, moldings, sculptures, they're rocks in some cases. You just do not get into that. That is false religion. Do not get pulled into that. That's The devil is behind that. And so the warning was, I'm giving you this land, but if you start worshiping those idols, that means you're becoming unfaithful to me, and I will remove you. I will take means to have you removed from your land. I will let other foreign peoples conquer you. Well, so there's the warnings. And as Joshua is closing this particular book, Joshua, he brings that out again. And so he, he said to the people in Joshua 24, if you remember, he says, now therefore, in verse 14, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which, are, which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. So put away those idols. So again, there must have been people with, among the Israelites who were still mixing idol worship with worship of the one true God. And then he goes on in verse 15, and he says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he says, make up your mind, get off the fence, Stop straddling the fence, trying to worship idols along with worshiping God. He said, that doesn't work. And again, they had been warned repeatedly through the book of Deuteronomy and going all the way back again to Exodus when the original Ten Commandments were given to them by God through Moses. You don't worship idols. You don't have any other gods that you worship other than the one true God, God in heaven. And so he says... As for me and my house, we will, work, we will serve the Lord. And so the people, verse 16, so the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So they're making an emphatic statement here, as, jo- as, we, re- as we read the closing chapter of the book of Joshua. The people are making an emphatic statement. No, far be it from us that we should serve any other gods, lowercase g, other than the one true God who led us out of Egypt, who, gave, who fought our battles for us, gave us this promised land. And they said, no, we will serve, we will serve God. Uh, and, and then Joshua responded to them, to that emphatic statement on the part of the people. Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, 
for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, that is idols, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. So after he's blessed you, if you turn from him, he's going to bring judgment upon you. And the people said again to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And so Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And here they go again. The people say again, emphatically, they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And here the people respond again. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will glorify. So emphatically, about four times there, the people make that statement of commitment, we will serve the Lord our God. Twice at least, Joshua says, okay, time to put those foreign gods away from you. And so again, in spite of all that the people had been through, all of the blessings they had seen God bestow upon them, all of the victories in battle that God had blessed them with, had given them, fought their battles before them, gave their enemies into their hands, there were still a number within the Israelites who were still worshiping idols along with worshiping God. And so Joshua said, you've got to put those idols away. Get rid of them. Stop worshiping them. And so the people said, four times at least, we will serve the Lord. Sounds great as the book of Joshua comes to a conclusion. Now, what about the book of Judges? As we have the Old Testament laid out for us, the book of Judges follows the book of Joshua. And so it goes into the next section of the history of Israel. So going all the way back to Genesis, we see the creation account. And then we see quickly, it seems, that Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, sinned against God. And so God expelled them from the garden that he had prepared for them. And then, just a few chapters later, chapter 6 in Genesis, we see that mankind in general had become so wicked, so corrupt, that the text says that the thoughts and intents of their heart was only evil, only evil continually. And two or three more times within the next few verses, it talks about how wickedness prevailed and how, how evil mankind had become, with the exception of Noah and his family. So you think about however many people lived in the world at that time. Now, the population undoubtedly was not nearly what it is in the world today, but still, there might have been a billion people, perhaps. Certainly, many million, I would think. And, And so all of humanity, with the exception of this one family, were living in wickedness, in evil. In fact, the thoughts and intents of their heart were only evil, continually. And so God destroyed mankind with the exception of Noah and his family. And he started from scratch. He cleansed the earth, basically. And he started from scratch again. But then, pretty quickly, we see mankind has 
going back into unfaithfulness to God, and God calls Abraham, and, and he's prophesying to Abraham about how he's going to use him, and it would be through Abraham's bloodline that God would raise up the people of Israel, who again would be the bloodline through which God would send the Savior into the world in fulfillment of his prophecy going all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Well, so all of that has taken place. But still, the people, supposedly the people of God, Israel, they keep struggling with the practice of idolatry, the worship of idols. So we come to the end of of Joshua and In Deuteronomy, remember that, and that's the fifth book of the Old Testament, remember that Moses gave them kind of a a rehearsal, a reminder of their history up to that point. And Moses, again, emphasized a number of times through the book of Deuteronomy, if you don't stay true to God, if you start worshiping idols again, then God will remove you from this land that he is about to give to you in fulfillment of his promise to Abraham and his descendants after him. Well, so now the people have fought the battles. Joshua, the book of Joshua, they crossed the, they crossed the, the, uh, the Jordan River, and, and so now they're in the promised land. God is giving them victory after victory after victory after victory against the peoples and kings of that land, against the armies of that land, and now the land is basically under their control. And so Joshua is old and advanced in years, as he describes himself, and so the land is divided up among the tribes. And then Joshua, in in this closing chapter, as we've read, He calls the people to account, to make a commitment, decide who you're going to serve. Either God, the one true God, or all those idols that you picked up from foreign lands. And the people, emphatically, several times, they say, we will serve the Lord. Okay, so you've got basically a nation of people who are faithful to God as we bring the book of Joshua to a close, and that particular, uh, that particular segment of their history. Now, Judges moves into the next stage of the history of Israel. The people are in the land. They're in possession of the land. The first chapter, I think we probably look at Joshua is still alive, but he's, again, old, and his deathbed is coming. When you get into chapter 2, as we'll see, we find the people of Israel in a generation beyond Joshua and those elders who outlived Joshua, and we see them already slipping back, maybe we should say falling headlong back into the worship of idols as a people. Well, The book of Joshua stands really in stark contrast, I'm sorry, the book of Judges stands really in stark contrast to the book of Joshua. And we could say certainly the book of Joshua stands in stark contrast to the book of Judges. But Judges, 
again, moving into a different period in the history of Israel. Okay, in Joshua, again, basically we see the, the people of Israel as being obedient followers of God. But they've got some problems because, again, Joshua has warned them. Noah, uh, Moses has warned them, put those foreign gods away from you. You can't be worshiping idols and God at the same time. You can't be mixing the worship with, of idols with worship of God. And so, but the people, I think we, we would say, generally speaking, you've got a nation that is faithful to God. But in Judges, you, we find a disobedient and unfaithful and idolatrous, that is, a people who are now back headlong into worshiping idols. And in the book of Judges, God brings judgment upon them over and over and over again by allowing, by allowing uh, peoples of foreign lands to defeat them in battle and put them to one degree or another in subjection. Interesting, interesting. During the nearly four centuries that are spanned, that are covered in the book of Judges, God raises up a number of, well, people, leaders who are called judges, and thereby we get the name of the book, that would lead the people to defeat those enemies that had beaten them, overcome them, and put them in subjection. And this happens over and over and over again through the book of Judges. And again, this, this particular book covers about around 400 years or so within the history of Israel. Now, the people, the text would seem repeatedly to indicate the people of Israel would repeatedly come to repentance before God after God had raised up foreign powers to conquer them in battle and put them in into some degree of subjection. And the people of Israel would come to their senses, at least to some extent, and they'd repent and they'd turn to God for deliverance from these foreign powers that had conquered them. And God would raise up leaders that would lead them into military victory over those conquerors. And so they would defeat them and drive them out, and, and now they would, have, they, would have, they would be a free nation again. But it would not take long till they'd be right back into that problem, into that disobedience, into that unfaithfulness of worshiping idols again. And then God would bring another nation in there, or maybe in some cases the same nation he had used before, and he would lead that nation to defeat the Israelites in battle again and put them in subjection. So they'd be conquered over and over again. And God would raise up another leader, another judge, and they would drive the, 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 the conquerors out. But then it would not take long until the people of Israel again would become in that fickle way, in their weak faith, they'd go right back into the worship of idols. Now that tells us something about the nature of humanity left on its own. The more we can stay focused on God, and how do we do that? Well, it's a mindset, certainly. But it's also, it's something that develops as we stay in God's Word, as we keep studying 
his word and understand his will communicated to us through his word for how he wants us to live our lives in faithful obedience and commitment to him, and that he blesses us in connection with that faithfulness and obedience, with that faithful lifestyle before him that we live. He blesses us on an ongoing basis, takes care of us, and we have that we have that promise of eternal life with him in heaven for all of eternity. But at the same time, we find that as people become unfaithful, then God starts bringing judgment upon them. So we see that repeatedly through the book of Judges. God keeps raising up these leaders as the people come to repentance to lead them in battle and defeat the conquerors that God had allowed to conquer his people by way of judgment and then drive those conquerors out. And so now the people return to a period of freedom and prosperity, but then it only takes a few decades, literally, until they're back right back into the worship of idols and God brings another nation to conquer them again by way of judgment and then the cycle repeats itself. Eventually, the people of Israel come to, their, come, to, come to repentance before God and pray for deliverance, and God raises up another judge, and that judge leads them in military victory again and drives out the conquerors, and now they're back to freedom and independence and prosperity, and then within a, just a few decades again, they're right back into idol worship. It goes over and over and over again, a repeating cycle. You would think that people would learn their lesson. But now what happens? And we can make some parallels here to what we see in our country today. What happens? Well, you have a generation that comes up and they, they think, yep, we need to respect God. Now, I'm not saying that everybody in that generation truly is obedient to God consistently and to the extent that God instructs that we need to be obedient to him, but at least there, it's a generation that recognizes God, recognizes his sovereignty, recognizes him as the creator and as the true God. And so they give respect to God along those lines, through those beliefs. But then that generation gets older and the next generation comes up and they don't have the same they don't have the same conviction as the previous generation and so they become start getting into wickedness and sinfulness and evil again and and then they suffer the consequences and then maybe another generation comes up that is more dedicated to god but then after a few decades, as they get older, the next generation or the generation after that comes up and they start questioning God again. They, start, they, they stop paying proper attention to godliness and his way of living our lives in obedience to his teachings. And so, again, we see wickedness begin to prevail. That's the fickleness of humanity when we lose our focus on God. And when we stop reading and studying and living by the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of the Bible. See, so you would think 
And I remember the first time I studied carefully the history of Israel through these Old Testament books that we're looking at and going on through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, I was amazed at how quickly the people of Israel, after coming to repentance and God restoring them to independence and freedom and driving out their conquerors, how quickly they go right back into unfaithfulness to God. And it was a repetitive cycle over and over and over again. But that, again, is the fickleness of humanity. You would think that we would learn from history, but it seems that we keep repeating the same bad choices, the same big mistakes, and suffering the natural consequences thereof. We need to learn. We need to learn. Well, next time we're going to get into a study of the text of Judges. And hopefully this will give us a really good, instructive lesson as we go through the book of Judges to understand that we need to stay true to God always, consistently. And God will bless us as a result. We need to make that commitment as individuals, but also as a nation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do love you. Help us to love you even more. Help us to live our lives faithfully before you. And that means obediently as well, obediently to your teachings. Father, help us to live our lives with our bottom line goal to give you glory through the way we live our lives. Help us to stay faithful so that we can be with you in heaven for all of eternity. And we pray this not for just those of us listening to this lesson at this time, but we pray for this for all of humanity, Father. All of humanity, the world so desperately, and including our nation right here, so desperately needs to come to you in faithful obedience, faithful obedience. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.